Well, good morning. Hello. How are you? Listen, I hope things are going well. <laughs> I hope they're going better for you than they did uh, the debate moderator last night because the thing I read, he is taking a <laughs> he is taking a hit. No, I didn't see it. No, I didn't watch it. I, yes, I guess I care about it in a way, but I've watched some clips and read some stories. Man, uh, I, I do have one thing to say, though, as much as all the news networks, I don't care who they are. I try to convince you nobody likes the president. The majority of people say the president won and wasn't even close. So that's kind of interesting. But anyway, uh, why you <laughs> say, Brother Dan, what's that got to do with going to talk about today? Well, probably more than you think. Uh, uh, you know, uh, if you're getting, if you're going to get your Bible out and, and follow along with us, we're going to read those first eight verses in Revelation 21. That's where this will be uh, posted from. It's good to see you. We were on the road yesterday, and uh, I guess it must not have been worse than normal <laughs> because no one complained. Uh, uh, but anyway, we were pulled at a roadside, one of those uh, state rest areas, and and did our podcast and. Uh, <laughs> And I even told you, so I thought, well, we'd hear lots of complaints. And we didn't, so thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Maybe you've just learned to be patient with me. But, <laughs> but anyway, we are glad that you here, that you are here. I guess I need to add all the words of the English majors and be criticizing me. Uh, anyway, September the 30th. Can you believe it? Man, September 30th. Uh, about 7.30 in the morning where I'm at. Been up a little while doing some some readings, some research, and studying God's Word, and uh, getting ready uh, for what now, for most preachers, becomes the, um, you know, moving toward the finish line of the week, as we, uh, most of us do uh, Bible study, or uh, some type of lesson tonight, uh, lead prayer, whatever it is, and uh, try to leave our churches with something to remember, and then, of course, Sunday, uh, Sunday. I learned, so I was at a meeting yesterday, by the way, remember, Revelation 21, I, I was in a meeting yesterday, and learning uh, how many different churches are still uh, trying to find a way to continue their ministry, uh, get their ministry back as close to quote unquote normal as you can get it. And lots of guys are trying different things and varying degrees of, of success. And and one guy, um, he said something, and I'm going to paraphrase it because, you know, you're sitting in a meeting, you don't have time to write it all down and get it on mic and all that. But basically he said, I don't why I don't know why you have to go to through a pandemic to to learn this. Basically, he said one of the things that he's learned is that uh, uh, people are going to do what they want to do, and you have to you know find things that appeal to them. And uh, and even in the church, you know whatever it's going on with this pandemic, keeping people out. If we're going to bring them back to church, yep, got to find way things that appeal to them. Now we're fortunate at South Macomb Baptist Church, where I'm interim pastor. Uh, we have not had any. Any of our folks are stricken with the virus. We, we've had folks who's had friends and family, things like that. But none of our church families had the virus. And and uh, we feel blessed about that. And, I, you know, I know some other churches. Our son's a, a youth pastor in a church in, in Albany, Louisiana. And they, they've been fortunate enough. They haven't had. But uh, the area of Kentwood, where we came from, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Man, it is it has gone through there. Now, I don't know that that means it's hidden this way, like a weather front or what's going on, but we're still praying for everyone to be, you know, delivered and healed and and everything kept uh, kept safe. Now, you ought to be in Revelation 21 if you were ever going to get there, if, and so there's no sense, you know, keeping on filling the time because, uh, you know, we need to get out of here on time because we want people to be able to listen to this at work. That's really our goal, by the way, one of our goals. Uh, I can give you two or three goals real quick that we have in this ministry for this podcast. Number one, 
we want to give you something every day, something to think about, something to go, oh yeah, okay, well, mm, okay, or oh, man, I've forgotten that, or whatever, but something to think about, uh, a thought for the day, that's really, uh, we say that, we want to do that. Number two, we want to make sure you understand, we're looking to give you something, not sell you something, uh, we're looking to give you a, a blessing, we hope to, we hope that you enjoy these podcasts, uh, you don't see, you won't see advertisements for this or that, and uh, believe it or not, uh, a lot of times the uh, people who who host the podcast will contact you and want to know, do you want to have a sponsored segment, this, that, and the other. We have not done that uh, because we're not sure <clears throat> whether or not that would come across as as something that we're not looking for or whether people be put, put pressure on to be buy something or where they add a commercial or how that works. So anyway, we've not checked in there because our goal is to give you to give you something to think about, not sell you something. Also, we want to remind you about uh, most of the answers in life. And I say most quotation marks. It's really it's really all. Uh, but most of the things in life that you face, most of those things uh, can be conquered, found, dealt with uh, through the inspiration and truth and guidance of God's word. And a lot of times we have to sometimes we have to find it because, you know, it's not direct. There's principles to live by. In fact, this Sunday morning, we're going to be in First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 10 and a lot of the things there that is said, uh, basically, you're looking for principles to live by because uh, it's a very personal part of the letter where Paul is writing. And so uh, I, I invite you to tune in. It'll be on Facebook. Uh, we'll have it on the Facebook page of the Church uh, South Macomb Baptist Church. Turn in there. Listen. Let us know. Uh, watch the broadcast, 11 o'clock. And let us know what you think. And if you don't get to watch it Sunday, watch it later. You say, Brother Danny, are you advertising for yourself? I guess so. Hey, look, we want to get the word out. I encourage you to look at, you know, people who look at a lot of different things. I, I just want to be included on the list if you got room for us. I hope that you do. Uh, anyway, there are a lot of different things going on now. Revelation 21.1, we're going to read uh, the first eight verses. And they have to do with what we'll be talking about today. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out, out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I, had a, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, uh, the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be their God, will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have all uh, passed away. Well, I, I, look, I, I, I will not lie, deny, doubt, uh, lead you astray or anything else. I love this passage of scripture. I do, I do, I do, I do. I find great comfort in it. I, I find the things that I've gone through uh, and go through as a, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it, it directly touches on that. But anyway, and, and so you have the promise here uh, well, let's just read it again. You say, Brother Danny, you just read it. Well, let's read it again. Nothing wrong with reading it twice. Maybe you'll catch it, what you didn't catch the first time. Uh, then I And by the way, I'm going to come back and ask you a question, and there will be kind of a test, I guess. Uh, and so maybe reading it twice uh, might be the thing to do. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and it was and the sea was no more. Can you imagine the sea was no more? Don't have time to focus on that. Don't have time to talk about that. Not our thought of the day. Ooh, changes are coming. Changes are coming. Changes are coming. That's what that means. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Listen, if it comes down out of heaven, ain't nothing on earth touching it. Okay, I, I just telling you. Uh, there ain't nothing on earth touching it. That new city, and, and I've heard preachers and teachers and oh, Christians of all 
stripes, I guess, for lack of a better term, talk about this new city. And what they forget, even though they read it, is it comes down from heaven, therefore it is not, it is not stained by man. It is not damaged. It is not scarred. It is... I don't even know what to say. <laughs> and yes, if I could control, control what is recorded there, I would take that last part out. But I'm just... I, I am dumbfounded by the truth I find in Scripture today. I am amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene, as the song says. I mentioned that a, a week or so ago about that old hymn. And I am dumbfounded what I find, uh, how God works in the world and how God blesses us. And listen, God's got great things for us. Uh, I, I know we need to get back. Okay, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as as their God, he will wipe, oh, I love this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death. This is the phrase. This is what I call this morning. This is what we're talking about. This is what I'm excited about this morning. I'm not going to lie to you. I love this. <laughs> okay, here we go. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes and death, that's verse four, and death shall be no more. Years ago, I was getting ready to take a study and to take a state plumber's test in the state of Louisiana uh, to get a plumber's license and uh, to eventually, you know, I was working with my dad back then, had no idea I'd ever be brother Danny and all that kind of stuff, uh, looking to spend my life working, doing plumbing work, uh, working with my dad. And then, you know, one day, I guess, uh, it would take over that business or something. I don't know. But anyway, to do anything, I needed to take a plumbing test. Uh, to get my license. Now, I'd been doing that kind of work for a while, but I needed my license. So I uh, began to study. I cannot tell you a single thing <laughs> other than what I'm about to share with you. I cannot tell you a single thing I learned from the Plumbing Code book, East Baton Rouge Parish. Uh, I looked at it. I studied it. I read it. I read through it. But the one thing I learned in that book is about the word shall. That book said it is a mandatory term. No debate, no discussion, no exceptions. And since that moment, I, every time I read the word shall, I'm reminded of that simple phrase in the plumbing code book of East Baton Rouge Parish. The word shall is a mandatory term. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death mandatorily shall be no more. Aren't you like that? Oh, I do. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Anita shall be mourning or crying or pain anymore, uh, for the former things have all passed away. Uh, I know. Listen, we've got we've got to hurry now. So, and he who seated um, was seated on the throne, verse five, said, "Behold, I'm making all things new." Also, he said, "Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true." And he said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Uh, to the one who conquers, I will have this heritage and I will be his God. He will be my son. But for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, uh, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, uh, their portion will be in the lake that burned with fire and sulfur, uh, which is this second death. And so these first eight verses, we see, the new Jerusalem coming from heaven, unstained, unmarked, unscarred by the sin of man. 
And of course it comes when things are being made new, where those things are going to pass away, they're former things. Of course it comes in a, in a, in a place where, you know, judgment has fallen. The, uh, those who don't belong here will, not, will no longer be here. And they, will, they will experience, as the Bible says here, we don't have a lot of time to talk about today, the second death. But <clears throat> now, and now let's get to the point. We've got, a few, we've got about nine or ten minutes, and I want to I cover this real quick. By, and I want to begin by asking a question. What is your greatest enemy? I mean, what is your greatest enemy? Uh, typically, most people uh, would say, well, it's this or that, or maybe they put a name in it. Uh, last night was a presidential debate. We've, we've mentioned it. Uh, you would assume that as the current president goes on the debate stage against the man who's running to take his job, you would assume that his greatest enemy, quote unquote, the word, however you want to use it, whether it's politically motivated only, whether they really don't like each other. I don't know. I, you know who, listen, I'm, the one thing I've learned last, really, since President Trump has been president, and I guess, I, you know, I try not to use it, but the one thing I've learned is you can't trust politicians. Uh, you look at these guys who have, you know, have done so many things and said so many things that had no truth at all, but they just did it and doing it to get back at the president. Uh, golly, they don't like the president, so they tell lies or they let, they let lies stand. They don't correct and they don't let the truth out. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> who's your greatest enemy? Uh, well, you would have thought it would have been when the two uh, prospective uh, candidates got on the stage, one the current president, one a former vice president, you would think that the that they'd been at that moment, that time, in that place, each other's greatest enemy because they stand on polar sides of the spectrum. Their, their base, as they call it, is completely different, and they're trying to bring people into, into their collective way of thinking that aren't part of the base. I mean, you're not going to, listen, you are not, people who don't believe in abortion, they're not going to vote for Joe Biden. They're not. I don't, I look, people say they won't, they call them names, but people who really do not believe in abortion are not going to vote for Joe Biden. Uh, they are the party and they're celebrating now a judge who died. And I, I hate that. And I hope she was right with the Lord. She, and I was amazed, never thought about it. And maybe I'm the only one. I never realized that it was, that we, that it was the protection of a Jewish lady a Jewish Supreme Court justice that helped not only make abortion, but keep abortion legal. Boy, that's something. Gosh, it's just, I, I never thought about that. Didn't realize that before. But anyway, uh, people who really don't believe in abortion. Now, there might be people who um, who claim they don't for whatever reason, but nobody who who, who, who believes in, in, nobody who's pro-life is going to vote for Joe Biden. I'll just tell you. And if someone says they're pro-life, they voted for Biden, they know what they're talking about because Joe Biden and his party are definitely for killing babies. Okay, so, look, and, and for me to be honest, let me get my bias out there. That's enough for me to vote against him. Okay, that's enough for me to vote against him right there. You say you only got one. Listen, I, what I find is if you're for killing babies, you're a lot for other, you're for a lot of other things. I don't care for and I don't agree with. So, this isn't a political campaign or ad. So don't turn it off and don't think about it. Just making a point here, and and, and people who, you know, who like uh, quote unquote the way things are, the deep state or whatever where uh, certain politicians make lots of money and people don't, where uh, laws pass, where sometimes uh, they do help others, but they really help politicians, they're not going to vote for President Trump. They're just not going to do it. Uh, people who, you know, who like restrictions on guns, they're not going to vote for President Trump. They're not. Because President Trump so far has proved he's not really interested in putting restrictions on, on, on gun rights. And so you have, you have two distinct guys, you would think, that would be, They'd be number one enemy, okay? 
But last night, after the debate was over, I, I, I think that perhaps if you could have asked President Trump, well, who was your greatest enemy on stage? I'm not sure he would have said Joe Biden. And from what I read and from what I see, I did not watch the debate. Uh, we don't have that kind of TV, so we don't have the capability. Uh, it's on YouTube and other places. I know you can catch snippets and everything. And I've, I've, I've tried to read up on it. But I believe if you were to ask President Trump today in an honest moment, in a uh, not a verbose moment where, you're, you know, it's a debate and people speaking over, uh, not like it was in, in the debate last night, okay? Who was your greatest enemy last night? I'm not so sure from what I read that he wouldn't say, well, my greatest enemy last night was the moderator, the guy who was trying to lead the debate. And, and he would probably didn't, you know, from that shoot off and explain why he over, you know, he he talked over folks and things like that. And whether you agree with it or not, if you apparently if you listen to the debate and read about it, he's got his, his point could be made there. However, the point is, if if you asked him, I think who his greatest enemy was last night, well, it would be the moderator, because his disdain for the president and admiration for his opponent was not hidden. Now there was one time where President Trump made a funny line, and and the moderator had to laugh. But I think everybody who read it at the moment laughed. So I'm not sure that said anything, but. There are a lot of times it was clear he was he was protecting the ex-vice president. And from, apparently, from all accounts, it became clear to the president that he had two enemies in the room, and one was expected and one wasn't. Well, one thing is for sure. When we get to Revelation 21, the page is turned. No longer is it the horrible things on earth that capture our attention, but the great things, uh, whether they be sayings or... or Things in general, the New Jerusalem, for example, are the expectation of a wonderful bed, the marriage feast of the Lamb. Those things capture our attention. But my favorite phrase in this in this in these eight verses reads like this: "Death shall be no more." How many funerals have you attended? I mean, really, in your lifetime, how many funerals have you attended? Well. <laughs> I have, I have preached or assisted in 600, really over 600, but I know at least 600. I've tended many more than that than that number, <clears throat> a lot more. So you have at least 600 funerals, and the attendance a lot more. And there have been times where I've looked in the, in, in the eyes of loved ones, though some I know and care for deeply, some I haven't really known that well. But I've tried to assure them that if their loved one had faith, if, if they died in the Lord, well, they'll have life again, and, and and they will see them no more. And then I read the phrase, death shall be no more. And I realized that every time I said that, every time I looked at a family and, and, and told them their believing loved one has life in Jesus, what I didn't always say directly is that there comes a time where death is no more. Oh, we indicate it, we try to point it out. But there comes a time where death is no more, so those who have died in the Lord will live again. No more death. Having done eight funerals and attended a couple others within a month at a, a month of this writing, it is wonderful to be reminded that there will be no more death. One thing I've learned personally is that is is as we think about it and and see all the things that happen and all the things that take place in funerals is that there is there is the, the, there are those who whose faith is tested in those last moments because it's so difficult. But one thing I've learned is there'll be a time where there are no more tears and there will be no more death. Now, one of the things I've learned personally 
If there are going to be no more tears, there'll have to be no more death. I've reached the point in life where funerals I do bring many tears to others. And that's always, I guess, been a case, but they often bring many tears to me. Been in the ministry long enough. Most funerals I do now, especially since I, well, I don't know, a long time. They've either been almost like family because I was in one church for 28 years and and now the funerals I participate in are, are preached. They're either from that church or they're from the church I, I serve now as an interim pastor. And although I, I know there'll come a moment in time where they'll get another pastor, someone to lead them in the next phase of their church's history. But I've come to love these people dearly. And so funerals for me usually bring tears and often they bring public tears and I've had people criticize me for that and, and they've not necessarily done that behind my back. But I've come to understand for there to be no more tears, there has to be no more death. And for that to have the meaning it should have, and for that to have the meaning we want it to have, then there must be life given to those who've gone on before. And there will be. That means his promise that he makes all things new means more than we think it means when we think about it. And when we read it for the first time or any other time after, we need to remember that the reality of death, tears, dying, and finally seeing all things new, well, that's greater news than we can imagine. But the fact is, for the things of this world to be made new, the things that do not belong have to be or shall be dismissed from this world. And their departure allows for those of us who are, uh, to enjoy the things that are made new and never tainted again. Well, listen, I hope you have a great day. I hope this has meant something to you. I hope the reality there's coming a day, there's coming a time where there's no more death, no more dying, no more tears. It does for you what it does for me. It reminds me that my greatest enemy, that of death, not my own, is to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. I believe that. But that enemy of death, which so often reaches out and touches the very heart and soul of people who love the Lord, but also love others. There comes a moment where that enemy is no more. Those who've left the Lord come back to live, and those who live remain because there is no more death. Well, this morning I pray that you have, as Jesus said, been made new. Hope you have a new faith, a new feeling, a new energy. You can't have. That's what he does. And that's what he wants to do for you. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. I know we need to go here pretty quickly, so just let me say, you can contact us, dspreacherman at gmail.com, all lowercase. Let us know what you think. Let us know any questions you have. Yes, we will continue for those who are asking our Bible study, our, our broadcast study in the book of Revelation. In fact, sometime today, I hope to uh, record one of those uh, on Revelation chapter 11. So if you want to get your Bible out, if you want to you want to be prepared to do that, we'll be uh, actually probably doing that, begin working on that next and getting it ready. But I pray today that you realize that your greatest enemy is not the person who's on the stage with you. Your greatest enemy is not the person you see attacking you. Your greatest enemy today is death. Especially if you don't know Jesus. But there's coming a time, there's coming a moment where there is and will be no more death. That means for those people whose funeral I attended this week, or this month, excuse me, 
those eight folks where I stood behind a podium or a pulpit or a, a speaker stand and tried to bring comfort to the family, they did not need that comfort anymore because there will come a time when those who died in faith will have life and there will come a time when there will be no more death. God bless you. If you hadn't been made new, be made new today. We do these on Anchor. They're available in many other formats. Look us up. DK Ministries, Proclaiming the Word. I uh, hope that you'll take part. hope that you'll listen. Let us know what you think. God bless you. See you later. Well, good morning. As if 2020 had, had always been already been crazy enough. <laughs> A lot of people waking up this morning to find out the president, first lady, and at least one aide to President Trump have been tested positive for the coronavirus. Now, we don't know what this means. Of course, people are saying all kinds of things. I read a headline a while ago. It says, Twitter has just gone crazy. I can imagine how long that has gone. Not on Twitter. Don't care about Twitter. I, I read Twitter, and I, uh, I read a lot about Twitter, and uh, it seems about 80% of that's just, you know, trash and, and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And about 20% of it is good, and so you can kind of think about you're going to see an over, if you're really on Twitter, and I'm not sure if that works like Facebook or not. Um, I don't know if, you know, whose tweets you see depend on, and I guess it has to, who's on your page or who's on your list or whatever. But anyway, we pray today for the president, first lady, uh, the aide that has been identified. We're not going to give you names here I, I you know you know we're not allowed to talk about uh medical stuff in other cases and we don't talk about other people's cases by name we put people on the prayer list and uh, do that but we don't name what their problem is and uh so anyway we do pray for the president first lady uh the aide that has already conducted pray for vice president pence which will be uh, in these days at this time uh <coughs> cast in a, a different role i don't know new role uh, he's, him and the president seem to work pretty close together, and so uh, may not be a lot of change there, but certainly a new role, new expectations. I pray for the White House press secretary, too. Um, you know her name, blonde-headed lady. Uh, I'd love to say I'll just have a cup of coffee with her and just listen to her talk. I just uh, I like and appreciate her. She's the most well-prepared person I've ever seen. I liked Sarah Sanders <coughs> a whole lot when she filled that role, and um and yet, she just, to me, in many ways, blows Sarah Sanders away. Uh, maybe she learned from what Sarah Sanders went through. It's kind of unfair uh, to say that, perhaps, because who in the world could have been ready for what these people have faced? And I don't care how you feel politically. You know, this is not a, a political comment. By the way, you should be finding Revelation chapter 22, and all this will make sense, and we will tie it, in, tie it into the biblical study, and it is not a political comment or commentary. So anyway, uh, as I said, I'd love to sit down and talk to the uh, to the young lady, express secretary. Now she just seems to be brilliant, but also too she seems to, to have a heart. Now I understand read a, a number of stories that uh, that she's a believer, as Sarah Sanders was and is, of course, is what I understand. Uh, in fact, I just to be honest with you, I'd love to sit down and talk to both of those ladies. Uh, they just have impressed me with a lot of things that they said and did, and have been run over by the bus more times than I can count. <laughs> Goodness gracious. But anyway, so this will be a new day dawning uh, for, our, for our country today as we are a little more than a month away uh, from the election. I'm not sure how far we away from news reports from the, uh, from the uh, announcement of victor or victories or even in the ending of vote counts. This is so crazy. 
Uh, I hope that once this is over, uh, and if the, I know that it won't be fixed if there's not a solid majority in the Congress that wants to fix it, and, and if one party wins, I don't think they have any, any intention of fixing this mess. I think for what they say, uh, well, they just want to make a mess. Anyway, having said that, let me say this. I told you there would be a connection. Well, we talk about the president, first lady, and all that goes on there. And most people, when they think about current events with the president, I think, okay, he's tested for COVID, and then they go back to that crazy debate uh, in which people are lying. <laughs> False reporting, where this really is the day of fake news. And I don't understand that when you can pull transcripts, listen to recordings. But anyway, the moderator, who made a mess of everything, uh, blame the president for things getting out of uh, out of line and everything. It's clear. You look at the tape, read the transcripts. It was not the president who made uh, that, who began, who who sent that down the rabbit hole originally. Now I'm not saying he wasn't aggressive. If if you've listened to him for four plus years now, that's his style. That's his demeanor. Have you listened to Chuck Schumer? Have you listened to uh, uh, the the mayor of New York or the governor of New York? These are. New York personality types. This is apparently what they do, and I even remember reading articles about that in regards to some of these, uh, some of these people, which you know lead us uh, in our country or in the, in that state. So anyway, uh, been a lot said, but in that debate, something that has been not discussed very much, I think, overlooked way too much, is something that Vice President Biden said when when they were hammering. Uh, President Trump about, uh, you know, white supremacy, something that he has addressed so many times. And I understand why it's a never ending rabbit hole. If he says one thing, they want more. He says more. He says it's, it's a never ending rabbit hole. They know that. That's their intention. They're not going to end. They're not going to quit. And he, he decides sometimes to draw the lines and the boundaries. Are they where they should be drawn? Don't know. Can't say. Not the person in the fracas there. Uh, but in the midst of that, something was crazy said by the vice president, and I haven't, I haven't read very much of it. In the midst of that debate, or all that craziness going on, the only thing that the vice president really said about Antifa is that it is not a movement, but it is a, a line of fault, or it is a, a fault or something, not an organization. Uh, so apparently what we have are thoughts burning our cities down. Uh, in, in the Northeast. Now, I know that a lot of people in the Northeast have defended Antifa, uh, have attended the right to quote-unquote peaceful protest. I don't know how would all the damage has been done in, in Minneapolis and so many of these places. You can say they're peaceful protests, but I did read yesterday that uh, it was called a, a style article of telling people how to report on the looting and rioting, and they're not wanting the, the people writing on it to use the word looting or rioting. So anyway, you have this change of things, this this idea, not organization, but idea of burning down cities. That's crazy. Now, I know that there is an idea that apparently drives Antifa and these other groups. Marxism, communism, whatever you want to say, socialism, all the isms, I guess, that you can think of that are negative, or at least negative to our way of thinking and our way of life. Uh, but the fact that the vice president get away with saying that it's just an idea, a thought, and not a movement, and not an organization, just blows me away. Um, and that brings me to Revelation chapter 22. There was, there has been, and is the reality of evil in the world. Ah, uh, like go on, like go on. You thought I, you thought I was making a political statement. I was using 
something from hap there's something from the news today to make a spiritual illustration something that I typically love to do now you may not like it you may not agree with it. that's fine that's good uh, uh, you know what I love you but I'm gonna I'm gonna draw this truth out because you need to see what's going on today and if you don't like it then okay you don't pay anything for this don't listen that's fine I mean I want you to listen I want to get all the listeners we can I want to share the word with you but if you don't like it because you don't agree with it okay then don't listen I, you know that's up to you save your time your 20 minutes or whatever but what the vice president did in my mind my expectation is remind us of what the book of revelation reveals and tells us about evil that there is it is not an idea it's a reality it has a head just as antifa has a head it has a plan just as antifa has a plan you say brother danny you just keep eating well i do because listen you cannot tell me that's a good organization innocent people have lost their lives and yes both races, both gender, all races, all races, not just both. I, I, I said both. I spoke incorrectly there. Let me say all races, whatever, nationality, whatever, have lost lives. I mean, my goodness, uh, law enforcement people have lost lives. Innocent people in the community have lost their lives and businesses. They haven't lost because there was an idea floating out there starting fires. They've lost it because there were people doing things in an organization. I saw the other day... Uh, pictures in a video uh, of a U-Haul truck. Shame on U-Haul if they knew that's what they were doing, but they probably didn't, so, okay. But shame on U-Haul if they knew what they were doing. He said it twice. Well, yeah, because if they knew they were renting those trucks to haul uh, ammunition for looting and rioting, and then when I use the word ammunition, that's in quotations, because it wasn't actually guns and rifles, bricks, bats, and shovels, and all kinds of things like that. Shows them unloading it uh, in these places where, you know, have become flashpoints and hot places. So anyway, it's not an idea, it's a reality. And, and that reality finds, you know, many, 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 many avenues in which to manifest itself led by individuals. Evil in the world today is led by individuals. Every day it seems like you can read a headline uh, uh, about a child trafficking uh, situation that has been stopped. We, I don't think they're uh, touching the surface on that. That's evil. That's not an idea. That's evil. Uh, there was uh, the other day in, in, in Minnesota, uh, some people, uh, gosh, I don't even know if they were arrested. Hold on, so let me think a minute. There were people who were at least revealed, let's say that. I don't know that they've been arrested by something called Project Veritas. And, and I'm, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that to be buying votes and to be intimidating people to get their ballots when they're not supposed to be able to do that. Now, I know a lot of people uh, do, not, do not like it, but listen, this the way that, well, I'm going to like what I say, let me say it this way, the way that we are holding this election is crazy. Just sending people, listen, voting is a is a privilege. It, it is not necessarily something that um, you have a right to do any way you want to do it. Yeah, there should be some safeguards in our system. And a lot of people are tearing our system apart. They just want to mail ballots out, and they're wanting just anybody, anybody to vote, no identification, all this other stuff. And that is absolutely ruining the political process. But anyway, uh, this guy that they showed, and guys, you know, there's a system network here, working for a politician in that part of the country, apparently. Well, they were uh, getting absentee ballots. And yesterday, uh, they were describing how that was that horrible, terrible, nasty. Well, I read uh, um, to make sure that we are, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I, I thought of a phrase to say, but that's much, too much like a news uh, news organization that doesn't seem to follow their, uh, their catchphrase anymore. 
but just, you know, being fair, how's that? Uh, today I read an article about uh, people in Detroit, of all places, Detroit, who had set up a robocall system. Hate those things. Hate those. Did I tell you I hate those things? Hate those things. But anyway, they set up a robo system where they were calling people and warning them not, not to vote, you know, by mail or whatever, and all the negative things that could happen to them. Two people charged. From what I read, that's just evil, too. Just evil. I, you know, I don't care what side you're on. If you're lying, if you're manipulating people, that's evil. That's wrong. But it's not an idea. It's, it's something that manifests in people. Okay? The heart, the Bible says, becomes, you know, extremely, exceedingly wicked and not cleansed by Christ. There's no telling what you or I will do. Okay. All that brings us to the need to turn to Revelation chapter 22. As I, as I told you earlier, truth is... I took Revelation 22 and turned it into two days readings in my Bible reading. And uh, and so we will probably get one, uh, the first five verses only done today, and, and we'll see where we go from there. But having said, having made the point about evil, it not just being an idea, well, it is not just the idea of evil, it is evil itself that is eventually judged. And when evil itself is judged, the idea goes away. Let me give you, in our nation today, where we are killing babies by an astounding number, okay, that will always, always take place in our nation, I am afraid, no matter who the Supreme Court justices are, because it was not dealt with, and organizations that, have, that take babies' lives have around, uh, uh, that have allowed to take root, take hold, and I don't know uh, how you can deal with that, or do with that. Now, I have to be honest with you, I am not quite, I, I am... My first thing to vote for a candidate is how they feel about abortion. Because I found if you're willing to kill babies, then you're willing to do a lot of other things I can't agree with. And so I kind of have a, a simple litmus test. Uh, if you're for abortion, I'm not for you. That's pretty much the way it goes. If both candidates were for abortion, then I guess yeah, that does happen in state elections some. Uh, well, yeah, there's an old saying, the lesser of two evils. Who in the world wants to vote for any evil? But... It is true, and when you do that, you're not voting for an ideal, you're voting for a person. So Revelation 22 reminds us that evil, well, evil has a time in which it runs out of time. The angel, Revelation 22, 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, brightest crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb, and of the Lamb. Uh, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were there for the healing of the nations. Boy, that's something. Now, by the time we get here, by the way, there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more death. And those leaves remind us of what God has done. Just, I just want you to know, God's grace will outlive everything else in the world. It will. God's grace, and it is by grace we are saved. Through faith, but by grace. Uh, that's going to outlive everything else. We need to move on. Uh, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were the healing of the nations. Verse 3, no longer will there be anything accursed. Evil's gone, done away with. Not just the idea, the epitome, uh, the manifestation of evil is done away The throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord their God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. 
Uh, we've already mentioned, but go back to just a moment. I think the leaves of the trees are there for the healing of the nations, reminding us God is taking care of things that needed to and have to be taken care of. Uh, at night, well, there's no war. Uh, uh, you know, people say, well, uh, uh, people say, well, a lot of crime takes place in the day. Friend, let me tell you something. Go back and see what's happening in our cities. It's happening at night. Our cities are being burned down because men love the darkness rather than the light. And night is no more. Therefore, evil will be no more. It has been judged in a way. I don't know about you. I'm speaking for myself. I look forward to the day when there is no more evil. And I know that by the power of God and by the peace of God and through the presence of God, evil will be no more because of the judgment of God. And there's coming a time where God will judge and evil will be done away with. We live in the day of grace and mercy and certain things continue to happen because of that grace and mercy. Uh, there are some things available because to have judged those things would judge other things that we have no idea about when you first say, oh, I just wish he would do this or that. Well, what I wish, what I pray for is real revival that we see souls saved because I understand that the day the final judgment comes, when, when the book is completely followed through with, when everything is completed, there will be no more chances for souls to be saved and the souls that are alive that day who have not come to Christ, who are responsible for their sin, will die in their sin without Jesus and spend eternity in hell. And eternity is longer than anybody can ever, ever, ever get a concept of. If you take every minute of every day that's ever been a system beginning in time, it does not even compare to eternity. It does not make a fraction of eternity. And so, friend, let me tell you something. When you die without Jesus, it is more than bad news. It is horrible. It's terrible. But it is also eternal. <clears throat> I've been having a discussion with a dear friend of mine who's, boy, just made my mind. <sighs> made me think it has to do with Satan and why God just basically didn't instantly judge Satan. Had God instantly judged Satan, if God had you know, closed the book on it, it was done, there'd be no more life. I mean, God would have closed the door. But he didn't. And I, I think some mercy was there and grace was there, not really applied towards Satan, although I guess he was a benefactor of it because that mercy and grace gave more days for souls to be born and for souls to be saved and for lives to be renewed. And in the, and in the meantime, because judgment was not finalized yet, although it was clear it was happening and there was going to come a time when it would be finished and judged, well, even though God has been active and done great things, Satan has also been active, and while he is not good anywhere, in any place, in his heart, soul, spirit, whatever you want to say, and I know he's a fallen angel, so those are words that we use to describe things, probably not applicable to him because of what he is, but because of that, because of all those things, but because God, if you will, held judgment back till when it becomes final, beginning in this chapter here, when we read, we have the ability to be saved. Your friend, my friend, your family member, my family member, your loved one, my loved one, uh, your acquaintance, my acquaintance, world leaders, people in third world countries, people who live in part of this country who have never heard the gospel still have, because of God's grace and mercy, the opportunity to be saved. And night will be no more when judgment falls. And in this day of grace and mercy, there's still night. There's still evil things done. I've mentioned a few things today. I can mention a few more, but there's still things done. But there will be a time when it is no more. Night is symbolic of darkness, or uh, uh, darkness that captivates men's souls. But now at that time, in that place, there's only light. Perhaps that reality for us today, 
Perhaps that reality for us today is a reminder of the light that is to come. Reminds us that we should live in His light even now. Are you doing that? Are you living in the light? If not, is it time? Isn't it time that you did listen? I want you to hear Revelation 22, 1 through 5 again. The angel showed me the river of water of life, brightest crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb of God. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. <coughs> Excuse me, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of, of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and forever. Let me tell you this. I am so glad that there's coming a day where evil will be no more. The idea itself will be gone because the person who leads it will be gone. And yes, and yes, and yes, for those who well, are you trying to say that Antifa springs from that fall of evil that comes from Satan? Of course I am. Absolutely. You look at what they're doing. You look at, at, at what is happening because of them. That is the work of Satan. You say, well, I kind of agree that black lives matter. And I want to listen, all lives matter. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think, do you really believe that such a thought that only one certain kind of life matters would come from God? He said, but Brother Danny, uh, there have been great injustices done uh, to people of color. There's been great injustices done to lots of folks. I'm not, I, I'm not unsympathetic to what you say with your argument. There have been many, many injustices done to people of color. But there have also been many, many injustices done to people who aren't classified that way. And none of those injustices were necessarily approved of by God or declared okay by God. They just weren't. They, he said, well, a lot of those people did it in the name of God. Look, people do lots of things in the name of God have nothing to do with God. I read a story one time where a person went in and went Dixie, filled their basket, tried to walk out with it because God told them quote unquote well God did tell them to go steal that's one of the Ten Commandments I've heard the story of people uh, I've heard it more than once read it read at least one story of a stripper a lady who became a stripper said she was stripping for Jesus do you really think that would be true possible it goes against the word of God immorality listen I know I need to go but I just want you to know the reality today that we need to remember is night will be no more I am ready for that day but till that day comes, I can address the darkness in my soul. And the good news is, so can you. And so I pray today that the light of God would shine within me, that I might remove whatever needs to be removed. And I pray the same for you. Well, listen, we're glad you listened and hope you don't turn off. But as I said, I know that you have the freedom to do that. So if you choose to do that, okay. Um, but we're just trying to give you the word of God. We're just trying to you know, give you something to think about, and I hope we've done that. Uh, Preacherman at gmail.com, all lowercase. Send us, a, send us an email. Let us know what you think. Complain if you want to. We'll take that. We'll read it. And if we, if we have something to apologize for, we'll give you that apology. I don't see it right now, not based on today, but I know that I say things sometimes that come out wrong or different. But anyway, Preacherman at gmail.com. 
DK Ministries. Look us up on the Facebook. Send us your prayer request. Pray with us for the president and the country and, and all the things that happen as we pray for you. Listen, we love you. We're praying for you. And we hope to see you soon. God bless you. See you next time.